Okay, why don't you uh, go ahead and start turning your chairs back this direction, if you would. And uh, I'll just highlight again, hey, uh, if you if you think you'd be inter if you think you'd be interested in being baptized, I'll just say, Dan, well, you're going to be over there the whole rest of the, on that side over there. Just look for Dan over there on the side, especially during communion. If you want to go find Dan over there, because we can uh, we can make that work. So, all right, let me uh, let me pray, and we're going to look into God's word this morning. So let's uh, let's pray together. God, we believe uh, that this world we live in is more than what we see. We believe there's an invisible, uh, unseen world. And we say that without any kind of goofiness or mystery. We live in an invisible world as well as visible. And the invisible world is where you, your spirit, um, speaks. And there's parts of us that are unseen. And so your spirit is in all of us who have opened our lives. And even to those here this morning who have not yet done that, your spirit is around them and always uh, wooing them to the love of Jesus for them. So, God, would you give us all ears to hear and eyes to see uh, whatever you want to show us today. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, topic for the day to start off with is complaining. All right. Who, I'm just curious, has anybody in the last week or so, not in a, not in a bad way, returned food, returned food back to the kitchen at a restaurant because you were complaining about something? All right. Did you raise your hand? No? 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 Anybody? Anybody? No? No complainers? Anybody called a... Okay, but it wasn't complaining. Anybody called a complaint department lately? Anybody complained about any service you've had lately? You did? Dan did. Where's Dan? She said you complained about your water bill lately because it was inaccurate. <laughs> okay. But he got it fixed, all right? Yeah, what did you complain about? Was it a valuable package? And they probably said we didn't. Do you have it back? Okay, good, good, good. All right. We sometimes complaining is legitimate. Sometimes it's not legitimate. We're gonna look at those that example today. A couple things here. Let's go to the next one. I got some cartoons here. Calvin and Hobbes got a couple different ones. All right. Calvin says some people complain all the time. They complain about the least little thing. If something bugs them, they never let it go of it. They just go on and on long after anyone else is interested. It's just complain, complain, complain. People who gripe all the time really drive me nuts. Next one. You'd think they'd change the subject after a while, but they never do. They just keep griping until you start to wonder what's wrong with this idiot. But they go on complaining and repeating what they've already said. And then Hobbes says maybe they're not very self-aware. Boy, that's another thing that gets my nerves. <laughs> All right, next one. We got Charlie Brown here. Linus says to sister, are you complaining again? Do you realize that the th you spent all your time complaining? And her response is simply, well, why shouldn't I complain? All right, another, another peanuts, Charlie Brown. Snoopy says, don't complain about the rain. We need rain. Without rain, nothing would grow, and we'd have nothing to drink. So never complain about the rain. Whimper, but don't complain. <laughs> All right, a couple more. This one is an old one, Frank and Ernest, complaint department. Please speak directly to the brick wall. <laughs> right? 
Now, let's be honest. Sometimes when you speak to a live person, a complaint department on the phone, you feel like that. Let's be honest, too. Sometimes we feel like when we issue complaints to God, we're getting nothing back more than a brick wall, too, right? So we understand some of this complaint. And the last one, long line for a complaint, nobody in line for gratitude. And just the sense that, and here's the question of the day, so what are you complaining about lately? And I don't mean about water bills or food that's not cooked right or things at restaurants or football equipment lost in the mail. I'm talking about, if you're honest, what are your complaints with God? Where's God failing you? Where's he not meeting your expectations? And where, whether you verbalize it or not, you know the stirrings of your own heart where you're just... Maybe you're whimpering, but maybe you're also just complaining. It's like, God, I, you're not pulling through for me. No, of course we would never say that out loud because we're fearful that a lightning bolt might strike us dead. But we all have ways in which God has failed our expectations. We're going to look at today, what we've been doing the last few weeks is a series from the book of Philippians, ancient uh, city of Philippi, a Greek city in the Roman world and uh, calling it living a life of abnormal joy because Paul, who wrote this letter to the Philippian church, in other words, a group of people not unlike this group of people, ordinary people, he writes this letter and he's encouraging them. And where was Paul when he wrote the letter? He was in prison. And this is like really, really, really nasty prisons. He was in prison, and, but yet this book has the occurrence of the word joy or rejoice uh, more than any other book in the Bible in terms of its length. So here he's talking about joy and rejoicing, an abnormal kind of joy, but he's in prison in a really nasty situation, but he's writing to people who he knows also they're having some issues going on. There's some, they're getting some difficulty for being Christians, persecution is to various degrees. There was even some infighting in the church, but there was just, it was a lack of joy because of the circumstances they were incurring. And Paul's point to them is, joy is not a function of your circumstances. Joy is a function of your heart and your soul. And you can be a joyful person regardless of what's happening outside you, which to most of us is like, I don't get that. Because to me, joy is if everything's going my way. And if it's not going my way, then God's failing somehow. So what we're going to look at today, go to the next slide, and the... We're going to jump right into, uh, this is, yeah, last week we talked about Paul gets, right before the passage we're going to look at today, Paul goes in this, kind of this big hymn about Jesus, and Jesus is Lord, and this is what he, this is what that means. And I talked last week about how in a real practical sense, it's like, well, if he's your Lord, what does that mean? What, what's an area of your life in which you may be only giving Jesus 95% obedience because you're not sure about the last five? But he goes in this big grandiose uh, statement, his poem about Jesus and about his Lord. And then he goes into this next passage. And let's all just read it out loud from here. So he just finished this big kind of Jesus is Lord, you know, trumpets blaring kind of thing. Then he says, dear friends, have you always followed my instructions when I was with you? And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Some of the passages translated as work out your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Let me just stop here just as a brief point. So he says, you have to work out your salvation, but it's God who works in you. 
And it's not a 50-50 thing. It's not like you do your part, God does his part. But also, our, we don't have the option of just kind of this, pa- what I would call passive Christianity, where you just sit there and wait for God to do something. We have to put ourselves in a situation where God can do that work. The example I've given before, and I'll use it again, because my friend Alan Myers up here, the dentist, if I have a bad tooth, actually he does root canals, so you really don't want to see him. If I have a bad tooth, something wrong, I could sit in my home for weeks hoping that Alan would somehow be moved to come to my house with his equipment and do the work, right? It's what I would call the extreme passive option. The extreme active option would be I go to my garage, get my pliers out, and try it myself. Both those extreme passive or extreme active, both those options will not remove the problem that I have in a successful way. The solution is I need to be active in calling Alan and say, can I make an appointment with Dr. Meyer? Okay, that's active. I set a date. I get in my car that date. Active. I'm getting in my car. I drive there. I'm being active. I get to the doctor's office, his dentist's office on East 3rd Street. I get out of my car. I'm a little bit shaky because I don't like dentists. I mean, I, I don't mind them, but Alan's a good doctor, so I don't. I'm a little bit shaky, but I'm still being active. I have to put one foot in the I have to get there. I get in there, I'm here for Dr. Mime because he's going to do others to my teeth. He's going to rip my gums out or whatever he does. I don't know what he does. Uh, he's going to tingle my nerves, you know, those kind of things. Uh, yeah, and he's going to give me Valium too. So anyway, <laughs> but I get there, I'm active. I walk in the office. He says, take a seat here. I sit in the seat. I'm active. I'm active. I'm active. I lay down in the chair. They back it up. They raise it up. And then he says, now open your mouth. At that moment, I absolutely stop being active. But in order to get to that place, I had to be active. At that moment, I have to be passively obedient to his instructions. Because now he knows what needs to happen to remove what needs to be removed from me to, to that's keeping me from normal, healthy, healthy functioning. So it's what I call the actively passive approach to the spiritual growth. Work out your salvation, but the real work is done by, by God in you because you put yourself in a situation. So I always tell people, you got to put, well, that's why we read the Bible. That's why sometimes we encourage people, you know, to go to church, read your Bible, to pray, to practice st- certain spiritual practices, not because they earn you points with God, because it puts you in a place where God has your attention and God can start to work in you. So that's really, th- if, if, if the whole paradigm of spiritual growth is you have a role to play in getting yourself in a place where Jesus can do something. So whether it's putting yourself in the Bible, attending crew if you're a student or young life or whatever, coming to church, reading the Bible, praying, talking to friends who are spiritual minded and they can encourage you. That's how you grow is you put yourself in a place where the voice of Jesus can speak to you. That's kind of what this gets at here. But then he goes to this. Do everything without complaining or arguing. So he went to this grandiose, Jesus is Lord and yes, he's king and now... Do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Interesting. I mean, he could have, and there's other places in Scripture where we're challenged about, you know, deceptive speech or sexual morality, and those are things also we need to avoid and stop doing. But it's interesting that he chooses complaining and arguing as the one thing that kind of represents the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Hold firmly, verse 16, to 16, to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain, that my work was not useless. And we'll finish this passage next one. But I will rejoice, okay, joy, 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 
Rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. So Paul's kind of on a joy thing here. But right before that, he was talking about not complaining or arguing and kind of gets the sense that that may be a block to a life of abnormal joy. I mean, you, you know people, I know people that are complainers, and I don't think we'd ever ascribe them being joyful. So it seems like complaining, and even the, uh, go to the next slide now, Paul, because the next slide is just going back. The other thing about complaining or arguing, even the word arguing there has this sense of kind of these, uh, it's, this, it's this undergirding kind of thinking that God's holding out on you. You're going to kind of contend with God. You're arguing with God. So this is not necessarily talking primarily about your relationships with other people, although your complaining and arguing with others are rooted in a complaining and arguing spirit you might have with God. You understand that? So it's not, he's not simply saying, don't ever return food at the restaurant. He's not saying don't call the water bill if it's wrong. This is a spirit of complaining and, ar and contention because life's not working out for you. It's not working the way you thought it was going to work. God's maybe holding out on you, whatever you have, you want to say it. So let's look at the word complain here for a second. Go to the next slide. Here's complain. In the Old Testament, it was called murmuring. The people were murmuring. Murmur, 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 you know. Complaining is what we do when God doesn't meet our expectations or hopes. When God is not the God we designed him to be or we expect him to be. God, I really wanted this to happen and it didn't. Why didn't you do that? God, I didn't want this to happen, but it did. Why didn't you stop that? God, I really wanted to marry this person or that person. I wanted this to happen. I wanted this. I wanted that. I wanted this. I didn't want... God, I, I gave you this list of how I would be God if I were you, but you're not cooperating with me. And, and please be honest enough to say that. I think we all do that. There's always, we may not verbalize it. I'm sure we don't stand in our, you know, rooftops screaming at God, although sometimes you may feel like it. But complaining, the way that Paul's talking about it here, and even the complaining and arguing, it's this contention in your own spirit of what we do when God doesn't meet our expectations or our hopes. When, God, when you think God's not pulling through for you. When you have this plan for your life that God doesn't seem to be cooperating with. Now, when Paul wrote this passage, he's writing to Jewish people, Christians, some, some Gentiles, but mostly Jews, but they would have known the Jewish Bible. And so he's making an allusion to the complaining spirit of God's people 1,400 years prior when they left Egypt in slavery to go to the promised land. All right, so let's do kind of a flash backwards here all the way to Exodus chapter 16. And let's look at something here because this is where kind of this murmuring, complaining spirit is exhibited in a way that Paul knew his readers would understand, as should we. And the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. It was just the name of it. It didn't, wasn't, didn't mean sinful. That was just the name of it. But they're traveling from Egypt to the promised land between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on that 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. Next slide. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. 
There we sat around. They were slaves in Egypt. They had horrible lives. And now that God's brought them out into a new place, now they're saying, we wish we were back there. There we sat around pots with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, which wasn't even true. How much do we complain and kind of recreate a reality that doesn't even exist? But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. All right? So in this case, the word complain, go to the next slide. It literally is the word uh, murmur. They murmured. It's kind of the King James. They murmured. And it's kind of, it's, it's like complaint. It's resentment, it's dissatisfaction, and it's anger expressed in half-muted tones of hostile oppression, opposition. So it's this kind of, I mean, I had, I had a pastor friend of mine used to say, even the word itself sounds ugly, like murmur, 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 murmur. I mean, it's kind of like this, eh, it's kind of an ugly sound from somebody's spirit. And I'm saying the sound from their spirit because, I mean, yeah, I'm assuming when Dan complained about his water bill, it wasn't with a murmuring spirit. It was just, this isn't right, can you correct it? If you get a steak at a restaurant and you wanted it red, red all red and they cooked it, bur you know, burn it, that's not a complaining spirit. Uh, you can do it with a complaining spirit, but you can also just say, this isn't done correctly, can you redo this? So you can correct things without having a complaining spirit. So here's what we're going to do. Go to the next slide here. I'm just going to read uh, this, and I'm going to ask, what's your name? Sam, okay, every time we hit the word complaining, I want you to do this into the microphone, okay? Because that's the sound of the spirit, or that's the sound of the complaining spirit, right? And they're all underlined in red. And do it long, you know, make, all right? So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain? About us, a little bit longer next time, Sam Skull. <laughs> then Moses added the Lord. Oh, 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 oh. Then Moses. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complain here. <laughs> <laughs> I can read. I'll find it. If, oh, there it is. Then Moses added the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning. For he has heard all of your complaints against him. You're murmuring. What have we done? Yes, you're complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Next one. Then Moses said to Aaron, announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness. There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. Next one. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will, actually, God even says it will come out of your nostrils, you'll get sick of it. I mean, um, God's responding in a God-like way, but he's exasperated with his people, which he can get that way with us. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Next one. Okay. We might beep her back, man. <laughs> so like I said, you can be corrective without complaining, but do everything without complaining or arguing? And I mean, I think Paul means, I know Paul means this, not just even verbally, even when subconsciously or even quietly to yourself, you're like, oh, can't believe that's happening again. Oh, why didn't I get that? Oh, why did they do that again? Why did she do that again? Why did we do a lot of subtle, quiet complaining. 
But Paul says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Now, so here's, here's, my, here's my question or my, my point from this morning. My point is not to beat us all up and say, oh, we're a bunch of complaining, whining, whimpering people. Get your act together. That's not the spirit of God toward us. So you say, okay, what's the point though, Matt? Because you're just trying to help us understand that we probably complain more than we think we complain toward God. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get you to understand because I'm understanding more about my complaints toward God when things don't go my way. And you might say, legitimately, wait, 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 wait. When things weren't going well for Job, when his, you know, his kids died, his lost his fortune, he had boils all over his body, wasn't he complaining to God? And it was that okay? And I'd say, I think there's part of that where at the end of the book of Job, God actually esteemed Job. Now, Job was kind of questioning God. Now, Job's wife wanted Job to kind of go into full force murmuring and complaining. She even said, God, Job, just curse God and die. And all kind of a vernacular paraphrase, she was basically saying, Job, stick your middle finger in the air at God and then walk away. You need to really let God have it because he's not pulling through for you, Job. Job didn't do that. He had a questioning spirit to God that verged and maybe went over into a complaining spirit. But by the end of the book, you kind of sense, you don't kind of sense, you do sense that God says to Job, and he says in front of others, Job understands me. So it's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's wrong to tell God you're kind of frustrated with what's happening in your life. I don't think it's, I don't, I'm not even saying it's wrong to tell God you're, we're not even sure what he's doing. What are you doing? Why aren't you doing this, this? But that complaining, murmuring spirit is when that takes control of you and you stop even telling it to God. It seems like the people in Scripture that issue their complaints directly to God almost in a prayer-like kind of rant are the people that God seems to respond to. But when they turn their back on God and just complain about, complain about, complaining about, but it's no longer relational complaining, kind of that sense. I think that's what Paul's talking about. And you have people that do that. They've just given themselves over into thinking that God's not pulling through from them. You could guess what their marriages might be like, what they're like as parents, what they're like as employers or employees, because nothing's ever good enough for them because God isn't good enough for them. And you might think about your own life I mean, just this last week, there were a couple times where I, in my spirit, kind of like bemoaned something kind of independently, you know, indirectly to God. And I could hear in my spirit this, and I was like, I don't like that coming out of me. And then I kind of blamed God. Well, God, if you only had this and this happen, then that, I wouldn't feel that way. And, but again, like what Paul's trying to get us to understand is my joy has nothing to do with external circumstances. So if you think, well, if God just gave me this money and this marriage and these kids and that job, then I would stop complaining. But if you're saying it's only the external things that will stop my heart. No, what's in your heart is in your heart. It's not God's fault. It's your responsibility. Then you, again, you might say, okay, so now I feel appropriately uh, bad about myself and my complaining spirit so do we walk out of here in dust and ashes that we want us to do that no it's not at all what scripture would tell us to do because what i'm saying is maybe this week next week i'm i'm going to pray at the end of service just that god would give you that kind of internal 
So when that goes off in your heart, you know it. And then you can just say to God, God, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to complain about you. I don't want to complain about what my life is and think it's your fault. And again, we don't think that consciously, but I'm, again, maybe there'll be a time where you, you just sense something and you kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't want that. And then you tell God, I don't want that anymore. It's like calling the dentist, I want this out of me. I want it out of me. And it doesn't get rooted out overnight. Sometimes the, the way God roots things out of us is kind of challenging and hard, but it's life-giving. And this passage here in the end, I'll read this passage from Paul in Romans chapter 8, because I want you to understand this. So my, my challenge to you is, for the next few weeks, see if you can live a life without any complaining or arguing, verbal or nonverbal. And my guess is you'll fail at that, but when you fail, I want you to think about this. All right, there's no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. The response to when you feel this in your spirit is not to say, oh, what a stinking Christian jerk I am. I can't even live. No, that's, there's no condemnation. Don't go there. That's where Satan wants you to go when you fail. But what, what Paul says is, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set me free. So you don't go to this self-condemning, yeah, I just complained again, I don't like that, I'm, just a, I'm, I'm a bad Christian. No, go to, okay, Jesus, I know that's part of me, I don't like it, I want you to change that, set me free. It's a whole different demeanor. Because any of those things, whether it's, whether it's a complaining spirit, whether it's uh, being argumentative, whether it's being deceitful, whether it's sexual morality, whenever those things spur up in your life, what Satan wants you to do is to kind of see it and like, oh, I'm just a bad, bad, bad Christian. I'm really messing it up. Although you may words, use words in your self-talk that are much more uh, profane than that. I'm really blanking it up. That's where Satan wants you to go. Where the spirit of Jesus wants you to go is, I don't want to keep doing what I don't want to do. Jesus, rescue me. And you show that kind of openness to Jesus. You kind of show that kind of openness to the Jesus who Paul just proclaimed as the Lord of all heaven and all earth. And because of his death and resurrection sets us free. I guarantee you, if you had that be your response when you, when you mess up, Jesus will, he will, he will be finding the way to your heart like the song we just sang. You know the way to my heart. God, I don't know why, I don't know where that darkness is coming from. I don't want it in me, so Jesus, take it out of me. And follow wherever he leads you. But too many times in our Christian life, and I've been there, and my guess is you've been there, you've been, too many times we, we think the right response is this self-condemnation. But that just leads you to m more of the same. It doesn't set you free. And Paul's message here is, no, the spirit of life sets you free. So when you see those things, when this goes off in your spirit, and you don't like what you hear, you don't like what you smell in your own spirit or hear. That no, no, it's like, no, no, no. I know it's there, and I, can, I need to acknowledge that, but Jesus now set me free. It's a whole different way of thinking about it. And that's what Paul's saying. And then he says, what does he say in that passage? And when we live that way, we shine like stars in the universe. If, if everybody in here, myself included, could actually live life without complaining or arguing, and I don't mean in a fake kind of way, like, I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm not, I mean, in a genuine, full-hearted way, um, what Paul's saying there is 
Jesus would start being known to people in ways that he's not known because people would see you have a peace and contentment and joy about you that defies human logic. When things go bad, you don't give yourself over to a murmuring spirit. When things don't happen like you want, you don't give yourself over to a murmuring spirit. You, you maintain a heart of genuine, not fake, genuine gratitude. And the world around you is trying to figure you out because that's abnormal. Somebody who's in prison who's writing about joy, that's abnormal. If anybody had a right to complain about circumstances, life would have been Paul. God, I'm serving you. I'm doing all these things. I'm traveling around the world. I've been beaten. I've been whipped. I've been almost drowned for you. And now I'm in this stinking prison? Come on, God. You're failing me. Anybody could say that would be Paul. But Paul's like, no, no. Be joyful.